Welcome to the Live Fit Listens podcast, a safe space of growth, personal development, and overall wellness with your host, Olivia Catania, diving into the realms of all things health, conscious living, mental expansion, and much more. This podcast is designed to help you evolve into your best self and live fit. Let's get into the show. What's going on, you guys? Welcome back to the Lift It Listens podcast. Today, we are on episode 51, and it is time for another Q&A, and it is 2.22 p.m. as I'm hitting record. So there's that in case anyone is looking for a sign. There you go. I hope everyone is doing really well and lovely. Just going to cut to the chase. The computer is honestly just a prop at this point. It's a paid actor because I have zero outline for this epi because when it's a Q&A, I just, I just run with the question. So before we get into it, for my gratitude, of course course. Um, I'm actually going to Virginia this weekend to visit some of my high school friends, which I ha- we haven't, like the four of us haven't been together in just unacceptable amount of time. So <laughs> I'm just really excited to see them. And I just am feeling grateful that we were able to coordinate this relatively easily to like meet up with each other that I have you know, friends, high school friends that I still am able to go see. And I'm just really excited to go see them. And I just am really thankful to have them all in my life. I'm thankful to have the opportunity to go see them, have the freedom and the privilege to be able to go travel to Virginia to see them. And yeah, it's going to be very fun and exciting. So we're just going to get right into the questions because why not? That's why we're here. So number one, are you staying in Utah for a while? And I was just talking with someone about this yesterday. I think yes. Um, I think just at least I definitely am going to be in Costa Rica next spring slash early summer for I'm looking to do that for a few months, but we'll see. I need to do a little bit more research and seeing if it's practical slash if it's something that I really would want to do to kind of be living there for a few months. Sounds great right now. So I'll, I have to do a little bit more research with that. But in the sense of like this winter, I most likely am just going to stay in Utah. I don't really have any other plans. I want to relocate. I'm not like the happiest here. I don't have the greatest community here but at the same time like it is really great for me just to focus on work and whatnot and again I haven't been nowhere calls me like Hawaii does so it's like I don't really even know I don't really have a strong desire to go anywhere else on the mainland so right now yes definitely going to Costa Rica next spring slash early summer Next question. You once mentioned forgiving to be at peace but what about not forgiving the unforgivable? Great, great question. Um, I think forgiveness, someone else asked about resentment, which we'll get into later. The thing about forgiveness, it's obviously not the easiest thing to do. And I think there's a very classic misconception thinking that forgiveness is something that you're doing for the other person to give the other person love and grace. And as much as that is still part of forgiveness, I think another huge component of it is the fact of that it's giving you peace and it's more so for anyone it's for you to bring yourself peace so you aren't carrying that anger that resentment that harsh just negative heavy stale like you know past energy with you all the time like that's my biggest thing with forgiveness is like I want to clear that shit I want to get rid of it from my energy like I just want to be able to clear it so that I'm going to be able to move forward and open myself up to new better experiences but when you say what about not forgiving the unforgivable the thing here is like there's also the classic saying of like what is it you can you can forgive but you can't forget like it's forgiven but not forgotten it's the same thing like just because you forgive someone that doesn't mean that they now have that you just wiped the slate clean that they don't have any consequence that there's no new boundaries in place that you just forget about what they did there's a very big difference between forgiving someone and forgetting what they did and pretending like nothing happened and brushing it under the rug so it's like you I think anything is able to be forgiven any any deed you there is truly the power the capability the grace the love the compassion the understanding to forgive someone but not everything is forgettable so not everything are you going to be able to just you know rush it aside I don't think really anything should ever be brushed to the side but I'm just saying specifically with this question I think that there's a really big difference from what you're getting at I think you still have the power it's very much so possible to forgive someone even if it was a really harsh thing but that doesn't mean you forget it that doesn't mean that you don't set new boundaries in place that doesn't mean that they may have lost access to you in life or have lost the privilege of having you in their life there's a lot of different things that I think come with forgiveness I think forgiveness is always a necessity 
forgiveness is always possible for the sake of you being able to move forward and to clear this energy and for you to be more at peace. But that does not mean that you completely forget about it and there's not consequences now in place due to said event or situation. Someone said, how do you find the motivation to work out when it's cold? I tend to use that as an excuse. Dude, I am... I don't resonate with this in sense of working out, but I resonate this in the sense of getting my step goal in last week. I filmed a week of workouts video and I literally walked twice in the whole seven days. And yeah, my step count was so low last week. So I get this and I totally feel you, especially because my house is so cold. So it's like, I, it's so hard to get motivated and like want to get up and like just even get changed in your workout clothes. Cause you're like, I'm so cold. Like the thought of taking off my clothes and letting more drafty air on my skin, like, no. So I totally get it. But I think it's just kind of one of those things that it's just, it's just on the to-do list. Like just with anything, you know, like you can't always rely on motivation for anything so it's just kind of setting it in your routine having it in your schedule and knowing that it's just a short-term period of uncomfortability of getting yourself to the gym but once you get there it's usually pretty much normal that's my biggest thing that I tell myself it's like I feel so cold I don't want to get changed I don't want to drive there but I know that once I'm there and once I get warmed up I'm going to feel totally fine and feel normal. So I I just kind of focus on putting one foot in front of the other just to get there because I know it's not going to be as bad as I'm imagining it to be because I feel so cold in the present moment. How to improve opening up about your emotions. I just go blank. This is a really interesting question. And I think this goes back to just simply kind of being, and again, I don't mean to set a jab at anyone. I think just overall, like I think that comes back to just simply kind of being out of touch with your emotions in one way or another and kind of disconnected. So I feel like that's why it doesn't, you know, they may not flow through you because she also said, I just go blank when she's trying to open up about her emotions. And I just find that honestly really fascinating. And I just really think it's due to almost kind of being out of practice and being disconnected from your true feelings and you're not used to speaking them. So this is why I always preach about mindful tools of journaling, I think would be a really good one for you specifically just to allow you to reflect and gain the awareness of your emotions. I think the reason why you feel like you go blank when trying to open up your about your emotions is because there's no you're not used to having the awareness and and kind of the critical thinking and being the observer in your mind and saying, oh, I am feeling this way. It sounds like you most likely kind of just identify with your emotions. You're looking through that lens so you don't even realize that it's it's what you're feeling because they're kind of a part of you as opposed to you creating that space, taking a step back and being the observer of your emotions and having that space to know, oh, this is what this emotion is. This is what I am feeling, but it's not me. Kind of also like the saying, like when a fish is in a fishbowl, they don't know that they're in the fishbowl, but someone outside of the fishbowl can see the bowl. It's kind of that same thing here. When you're so closely identifying and so uh, like engulfed in your emotions, it's hard to almost have the awareness of what you're feeling. So I'm really big on creating that space and to then be able to cultivate that awareness to know how you're feeling. And I think journaling is what helps me do that the most because I'm able to write down it's, it's just so different when you bring something from your mind to put it down on paper because it makes it tangible and you're just able to look at it through a different lens and with a different perspective. So taking the time just to journal, write down how you're feeling throughout the day, and then maybe just, you know, taking the time to read it so you can help to practice that awareness. Also, I'm a big gal just on being intentional with my thoughts and asking questions and getting curious about my thought habits and my thought patterns. So whatever I'm I'm thinking about, because usually your thoughts are what create your emotions and that's what leads you to take specific action. So just by simply having the awareness of like, oh, what am I thinking about that's causing me to feel these certain ways helps me also identify the emotions that I am feeling. But overall, I would just say keep working on cultivating that um, relationship with yourself. Keep doing what you can to feel those emotions, to tap into those emotions. Ask yourself how you're feeling at the beginning of the day, at the end of the day. Just be more intentional with it. Have more awareness with it and understand it's with anything, just like anything else. Like you need to develop a relationship with it. You need to get familiar with it and it will be easier to identify and assess, if you will, the more that you do it and the more you kind of grow that that skill with yourself. Kind of similar. The next question says, having self-awareness but lacking self-trust. Any tips? I think this is super, 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 super interesting because I feel like to me that's almost like you have the awareness to know what you need to do or the awareness to know what you need to change, but then you're not trusting that 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 is correct or that that self-awareness is correct. I'm assuming that's what you're getting at. And so for me, 
in terms of self-trust in general, because I feel like this has been a huge thing that I've personally been going through recently is just trusting, not necessarily my, you know, a little bit myself, but more so trusting my overall life path and like what's just unfolding for me. But I think the thing with trust is like, I'm a huge gal on constant affirming, right? I think that's the best way to change your mindset because everything is mindset. So if you're struggling to trust yourself, it's because you're having those negative thoughts of anxiety, of doubt, of overthinking. You're used to just not trusting yourself. You're used to having an idea or an inkling or an intuitive nudge and then dismissing it and saying, oh, but that's probably not correct. So you've gotten into that habit in your mind and that's what's causing you to keep having that lack of self-trust where it's all about doing what you can on, on the micro scale and reframing each thought you have. So next time you catch yourself having an intuitive nudge and then saying, oh no, but that's probably not true have that awareness, see that, recognize that and reframe that and say, no, I'm getting this pull, this call for a reason. I'm going to act on that. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to do X, Y, Z. I'm just really big on that because every single solitary thing in life is a reflection of our beliefs. And so we need to do what we can to start at the mental level to reframe those beliefs in order to get yourself to believe something. If you repeat it enough times in your mind and affirm it enough times in your mind, that's what's going to give you that belief. So for me personally, when I'm lacking with self-trust and just trusting in general, and I catch myself having a thought of just doubt, I will intervene and reframe that and follow up with an affirmation saying that I trust my path. I trust myself. I trust my higher self. I trust my intuition and its guidance, things like that. So every time I get that inkling of doubt, I reframe it. I replace it with one of trust and it really helps like over the long haul, you'll notice your thoughts and your thought habits will shift. If I could promise you anything, nothing in this lifetime is coincidental. Absolutely nothing. Our intuition is so freaking real. Your gut feeling is so real. So here I am validating that for you. So you have no reason to lack self-trust. We know the best answers for us better than anyone. And that is just textbook. And if you just if you believe otherwise, that's just because you were programmed and conditioned differently. But it is a hundred percent true that you know yourself better than everyone anyone. You know what you resonate with best for you. You know what your right answer is for you better than anyone. And by you trusting yourself, that will allow you to truly sink into that and fully be able to receive all of those downloads and that clear, crystal clear intuition about knowing what is meant for you and what isn't meant for you. Next question: How do you let go of resentment? Trying to keep an abundance mindset. So kind of similar to what our previous little mini crash course about forgiveness previously, I'm huge, huge, huge on letting go of resentment and just any negative emotions or just any any sort of resentment towards anyone because it really does nothing. Like genuinely, it does nothing. We think it's our ego thinks it's us like having a leg up over the other person. But I promise you, it does absolutely nothing. Then take away your peace, your peace of mind. And it also lowers your vibrational frequency and just pollutes your own mental space like I promise you it does nothing same thing like when just the whole concept of like making judgments making a judgment on someone else does absolutely nothing to them except make but it makes your headspace uglier lower vibrational heavier more stuck stagnant gross like I'm serious and that's why I don't get super offended or get super worried about people judging me because I'm like that has nothing to do with my space and has everything to do with their space even though technically I'm the subject of it but it's a hundred percent has nothing to do with me and a hundred percent has everything to do with them and it's a hundred percent directly impacting them so that's why I feel I feel the same way with resentment like if I'm holding resentment towards a person or a situation or a time period in my life, it is doing absolutely nothing but polluting my own headspace, my peace of mind, my energetic vibration and energetic field. So for me, in my opinion, it's a disservice to honestly myself if I am continuing to hold on to that resentment. And I think the best way to let go of that resentment is to do what you can to act from a place of compassion and understanding and take the time to put yourself in their shoes. I think it's super easy when someone or something does you wrong to ice them out and say, you know, you did XYZ, I'm going to punish you in this way and I'm going to hold a grudge for this amount of time and whatever, whatever, whatever. Like that's the easy thing to do. It's easy to close up. It's easy to turn cold. It's easy to push them away. But what's hard is keeping yourself open, keeping your heart soft, acting from a place of compassion and still offering them compassion and understanding and seeing them with the 
eyes of love and through the lens of love to be able to offer them compassion so that you can have peace and move forward. Like that's what's more challenging. It's easy to live out of fear and hold that resentment, hold those grudges, turn cold, turn hard. But when you are living from a place of love, you're acting out of love and you're able to keep that heart space open, stay soft, stay vulnerable, have a compassionate heart and understand where they're coming from to offer them love. That's when you're able to heal through love and heal thoroughly. When you're in this sense of resentment and you're acting from fear from your egoic mind all that's doing is freezing the energy of this situation that you have this resentment towards because you're not ever letting the energy clear you're not letting these this energetic cycle clear and close and like close out you're just allowing it to relive itself and stay stuck where that's why it's so important to live in love and let go of this resentment and and try to look at them through eyes of compassion and understanding and love because that's what allows this stagnant energy to clear through it allows the cycle to close out it allows the full lessons to to be learned on both sides for whatever this resentment situation is. It allows all of that to clear so that everyone can move forward for the greater good. Like you need to trust and understand also that they are getting their own lessons for the wrong that they did you. Your resentment, it's not your responsibility to give them the consequences. Like I promise you the uni will take care of that. And I can promise you holding on to resentment does not give the other person consequences or make them serve out their karma or their consequences. It does nothing but pollute your peace of mind, your energetic vibration, your frequency, and just your overall peace. So it truly does nothing. You need to trust that they will learn their lessons, that they will get their karma. Everyone is on their life path for a reason. Everyone has their own path that they're going through that is out of anyone's control. And so when you realize that, at least for me, it allows me to look at them through the lens of love, have more compassion and understand them more, understand why they did what they did, understand why they acted the way they did, to fully find peace in that and to heal through love, which is the most powerful healing force there is. Tips on working out after being sick. Okay. Also, I have these certain contacts. I got new contacts, like a different brand. And I just don't, I never really thought it mattered. So I just bought a different brand this time. And my eyes are like always dry. I feel like something's always in my eye. I don't know. It's, it's a no from me dog. But anyways, so tips on working out again after being sick. My biggest thing is to start slow. And I say this also, whether you're, it's, you know, you've been out of the gym for being sick or on vacation, just start slow. But thinking back to the times when I'm sick, like I'm a hundred percent weaker. So definitely go slow, decrease the volume of your workout, meaning maybe that's doing less exercises or doing less sets, decreasing the time of your workout and also decreasing the amount of weight that you're using just to decrease that intensity and lower that intensity. There's really no need to jump way back into it. Like your body is still, your body still needs the energy to fully recover from being sick. And even if you feel like, oh yeah, I feel pretty good to be able to go work out today. Your body still is recovering when you're like in that first initial stages, like the first few days of kind of feeling okay again. So you want to give yourself grace and pushing yourself through a wicked hard workout after just being sick is usually most likely just going to push you back into being sick again, because you didn't give your body fully the enough time and give it enough energy to fully recover. So that's my biggest tip half the volume, you know, decrease the amount of exercises you're doing, go lower in weight, just decrease the intensity overall to give your body time to like ease back into it. Side note that this is reminding me of, or well, it just is coming to mind. I really feel like, cause I've not gotten sick in such a long time. And I feel like it, cause I've heard people say this, like when you're really on like your energetic hygiene, you don't, you're not as prone to getting sick. Like you just get, don't get sick as often. And I know it's different cause I'm older, but like when I was younger, I used to get sick constantly. Like I was sick all the time. You can ask anyone in my family, like anytime we would come out here to Utah to ski every single time I would get sick every single time. I'd always get fevers, all that stuff. And I really feel like being higher vibe helps me be more resilient to just toxins and just anything like coming into contact with just lower energy, which carries sickness. Like I just feel like when you're higher vibe, your body is just more resilient to stuff that would cause sickness. I'm not going to say I'm never going to get sick. I'm just saying I have seen definitely uh, an improvement in that sense. How do you start accepting yourself even when your body is changing and never the same? I love this question and I feel like I, I've i been doing LiveFit and posting about all this stuff literally for five years since I was like 16, 17 years old and 
I think it's really interesting because that, at least for me, I was a very much so a late bloomer, but like for everyone, I mean, your body is still changing from, you know, 16 year old me looks super different from 23 year old me. Like my body is very different. And I think it's not super talked about enough, just like in the online fitness space of it's normal for our bodies to change, not only from, you know, the difference in lifestyle and just difference in what your goals are and how you're eating, but just in simply maturing. Like as we age, as we grow up, like our body body is going to change. Our body is not going to react the same way to things. And that is totally okay. But I think, you know, in time and over time, since it's been so proven to me over and over and over and over again, that my body is a free flowing thing. It's a free flowing vessel that is going to change as I change, as I go through different life phases, as I mature and grow up, like seeing that be proven to me time and time again, has allowed me over time to kind of loosen that mental grasp of feeling like I need to look the exact same way or like, you know, the constant epidemic or like, yeah, I guess just like the constant, you know, looking at old photos and being like, oh, I look so good. Then I wish I looked like that now. Like I've fallen in that trap way more times than I can count because I'm always, you know, documenting my body like more than the normal person. And so I know how like toxic that could be because you're truly seeing how much your body changes. But you just need to understand that it is normal and you want yourself to change. Like just want, like how you want your emotional and mental state to grow and adapt and evolve. Like you, you should want your body to do the same just with anything in life like change is the only constant in life so the sooner that you can find comfortability in that and find peace in that the better and that's just honestly where I'm at like that's what helps me personally with accepting my body when it's changing like I just understand that I am free flowing I don't look the same as I did yesterday and I'm not going to look the same tomorrow and that's just part of the beautiful free flowing nature of life like I don't want to stay stuck I don't want to stay the same like that would be so boring and I think that's also kind of where my spiritual side helps me in my fitness journey because it's allowed me to see the beauty in the free flowing nature of things and in the constant evolutionary element of all things. And it's I find I'm able to find beauty in that now and allows me to just accept that part and that component of my body. Okay, next question I'm a little bit confused by, but I think I figured it out. I literally looked up SB. (laughs) I said what does SB stand for and it says it stands for somebody or someone so this says should somebody's toxic behavior i.e. overusing somebody be tolerated in the name of compassion slash love this I think when I read this I thought this was interesting but I think this is a super this is going to be very subjective to every individual and I think this is going to 100% first thing that comes to mind is it's going to come back to someone's boundaries so I totally understand this and I even feel this way like with my own family because yeah like you want to do things for people that you love you want to you know be selfless and do acts of service for them and extend yourself to help and things like that but it's kind of like okay wait is this you know, is this crossing a boundary, a border of mine? Like, am I being overused right now? Do I feel depleted? So I think it's going to come back to self-awareness and your overall personal boundaries. Um, And I think it comes back to you of setting what that line is, in my personal opinion. Like, if you feel maybe someone... I mean, it also depends if someone's like constantly asking you to do, can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? Um, but you know, if even if someone does ask you to do something and you still genuinely have the urge and desi- desire to do something to help them and be there for them because you genuinely want to, it's filling up your cup to fill up their cup. Like you're feeling good about it. Like you're having love that you want to share do it. Even if maybe for someone else, it's too much for them, or that person may even be meaning it in a toxic intention. Like I'm just saying, regardless, I feel like it should come back. You should be the last line of defense, the final say. So if you're still feeling like you have stuff to give, you want to still give them love and compassion and acts of service, go for it. There's no matter, you know what I mean? Like you're the one to determine where that line is. And that's where you're still going to be acting out of compassion and love. But I think on the contrary, if someone is asking all this stuff from you and you're feeling drained, you're not feeling in that headspace, to be there for them or to, you know, whatever the case may be, then that would be classified to me as like them overusing you and that you're just burnt out, you're overused, you're overextended, you're spread too thin. So for me, I just think that really comes back to the consumer as opposed to more so the person who's quote unquote, like you said, being potentially toxic behavior. Like, but I think the fact of you saying someone's toxic behavior, like I feel like almost clearly shows that it is you know, pushing you past your borders and past your boundaries or else you wouldn't classify it as toxic. So, you know, if you're already classifying it as such, they're most likely overusing you and you don't need, don't feel the need to be saying, oh, well, I should act out of compassion and love constantly if you just don't have anything left to give them. 
Similar question. This was also by the same person where to put a line between being helpful slash serving people and being overused. I think it's totally you. That's up to your discernment. What feels good to you. This moment that you feel like you're doing something out of obligation or feeling like you have nothing left to give and you're feeling burnt out. Like that's when you need to declare that you're being overused and that you're just not in the space and you don't have the energy to give to someone right now, which isn't something ever to feel guilty about. It's you just having that self-awareness, respecting your boundaries and you know, placing that boundaries for other people to be aware of as well. Same person said, just wanted to use the opportunity and say your podcast about confidence blew my mind. I love that. I'm happy it did in a good way. Advice for someone wanting to start a YouTube channel slash online presence. My biggest piece of advice, because dude, I've, like I said, I've been doing this for five years and like just within the last year and a half, like it really, I've had more of like a platform on here and I wish I could say like I had all this step-by-step guide, but I think the biggest thing for me was truly acting from a place of no expectation, no expectation for reward or nothing in return, like truly post content, have this online presence to truly help people to, and to truly express your truth, not to have a certain job or to be perceived a certain way or have any sort of external validation, like your sole intention with wanting an online presence is to simply help people, inspire people, educate people, provide value at the end of the day, and be able to unapologetically and openly express your truth. That's it. Have fun with what you're doing. Um, Because I think that's what matters most. If you're authentic and you're genuine and you are enjoying the content you are producing, everyone is going to feel that. People can feel your energy. They'll feel that through the screen. And I think that's what will carry you more than anything. Uh, Obviously, be, you know, be consistent, interact with your audience, be there for them, show up for them. Also, TikTok is obviously a great platform to be on. That was a really big medium that helped helped people just have more eyes on my brand overall. So that those are some of my biggest pieces of advice. It's sicky season. How do you stay healthy in both the gym and your mind when sick? So my thing, the way I want to take this question is to like do what you can to not get sick in the first place. And again, this isn't something for you to be like paranoid about and like focus on that because that's what you're going to what you focus on grows. But for me, um, in order to like keep healthy and keep a healthy mind and body when it's sick season, like that is the most important key to me is keeping my mind and body healthy. So for me, still always journaling, keeping as high vibe as I can, staying as happy as I can just to raise my vibe, raise my frequency, which is going to inevitably help me stay healthier and just be more vibrant. It's also going to help me want to make healthier decisions for my body. I'm getting movement in daily, having outside time as often as you can, eating really healthy, whole nutritious foods, staying super hydrated, getting your sleep, staying as stress-free as possible. All of those are great ways, you know, they're all the natural things I've always been telling you to do. But when you're truly on top of all of those pillars of health, like it's honestly difficult to actually really, really get sick when you're truly healthy on the inside um, with your mind emotionally, mentally and physically, like it's all connected, obviously. So I think just overall taking care of yourself and all of those aspects will really help you stay healthy and be resilient in the sick season. Other really great question. Any tips for being less rigid? I feel like I'm super focused on productivity. Love this. So this is something that I've been working on and I have been working through the past like year because in college years, I totally resonate with this. Like I was super rigid with my routine. So rigid with my routine. Like I had to check off all the boxes constantly. And that obviously is still great and a super efficient way to make progress if you do have a specific goal. But I find, especially again, this is where I kind of bleed in to my spirituality side, like there's something really beautiful to be said about being more free flowing and allowing yourself to, you know, flow with just the current of life. Not saying that you're not taking action. I'm not saying that you're not trying hard for things, but just also like being one with what is and being one with the divine flow. So I think for me, it was kind of deprogramming the programs that I, you know, adopted from society of saying that you need to be hyper-focused on productivity. You need to get things done. What are you accomplishing? What are you achieving? And I've made an episode about feminine energy, which I don't, feminine and masculine energy doesn't have to anything to do with gender. No matter if you're male, female, no matter what you identify with, we both are embodying masculine and feminine energies. Okay. So this is not a gender thing by any means, but there are 
the masculine and the feminine energy speaks for simply the duality and the dualistic nature of life, kind of like the yin yang sign, right? The yin yang symbol that literally like there's the feminine side and the masculine sign. That's what yin yang stands for. So it's just more so the duality of life to give this, you know, it's synergistic balance. And so we live in a world that's very masculine dominated energy. There's a lot of masculine energy in the way that our current society is set up, which is productivity, doing, you know, action, accomplishing goals, going to provide, working towards things like things like that. That's really masculine energy focused, which has its time and place and it's beautiful in its own way. But we have less focus and less, honestly, respect, attention, focus on feminine energy, which is all about being and receiving and allowing things to flow and being in your creative flow, being in a playful mindset without always having like a, a means to an end or an end goal. It's just being very present. And so doing what I can to rewrite that script and rewrite that narrative and you know, deprogram those subconscious beliefs of saying like the more productive you are, the higher your self-worth is and the more that you're respected, things like that. So it was just kind of, for me, slowly unraveling that, you know, mental opinion I've adopted over the years really helped me to understand that it's okay to not be productive all the time. It's okay to just be. It's okay to just play. It is okay to just be and open yourself up to receiving and allow yourself to flow and lean into what feels good. And to be fully honest, like for me, ever since I've really worked on tapping into my feminine energy and healing my feminine energy and healing my wounded feminine energy, which is kind of just the belief that honest feminine energy is weak and undesirable and things like that. Ever since I've healed that and leaned into my feminine energy, I've felt so much more at peace, so much more empowered, so much more aligned um, really than I ever have. And I feel more beautiful than I ever have. And, and not just physically, like I mean it like energetically, mentally. Um, so really, that's what that really came down to for me. Someone said, even a 35-year-old or maybe even older can resonate with you. How did you become so emotionally intelligent? I and I really don't mean this annoyingly because I feel like I've said this on a podcast before and I remember when I was editing it and I like was going through it, I was like, that kind of just sounded annoying. I really don't mean this annoyingly or any which way, but I swear just in the most authentic, like honest way, like my high school friends could vouch for me for this. Like I just have always been oddly mentally mature and I've always kind of had this very, I want to use the word like introspective mind. I don't know how to explain it. Like I've always been very curious in the sense of I've always been a really, really deep thinker. Like I, and I don't know, and just really have analyzed situations. And like, I remember, I vividly remember that I have this memory when I was like 15 years old, I was in bed at my mom's house and I felt, I felt so much emotion. I, I was crying about my parents' divorce and I felt so much emotion and I just had such this unique way of like looking at the situation and thinking about it and, and extracting the lessons from it. Like, I don't know how to explain it. I just have really always had this weirdly kind of just introspective, curious, I want to say critical thinking, but just in a philosophical way, mindset. I've always had an affinity for that. I've always been very curious in that way. So I think a part of it is genuinely innate in me and I am very spiritual. So I do think that, you know, maybe it's wisdom from past lives or something like that. I don't, I don't fully know. Um, but also I think my childhood and my family unit that I grew up in a hundred percent led me to, uh, you know, they say when you had like a harder childhood, like it forces you to grow up faster. And I think that holds very true for me. I also am the youngest of four siblings. So I was able to kind of see what they did wrong. And I had the awareness to say like, oh, I know that's wrong. So how can I fix that? So I don't end up like that. And so it kind of and I don't mean that to talk down on my siblings. I'm just saying like everyone makes mistakes. And I was able to see that from a different like outsider perspective. And then I was able to kind of adjust and act accordingly. Um, also, again, my parents, as highly as I do speak of them, I love them. And, you know, we've done so much healing work all together. But there was a lot of toxicity growing up in so many different ways. And similar to with my siblings, I saw what I didn't like about them. And just intuitively in my gut, I just was like, that doesn't seem right to me. So what can I do to not be like that? And it just kind of over time has led to me really being really, really, really big into learning how to regulate your emotions, um, learning about personal development 
it and all that sort of stuff. And then as I've gotten older and had more conscious awareness of kind of what those action steps were, I started to read more. Um, I read a lot of self-help books, which helped me just in terms of having more emotional intelligence. And then I've just done so much work of sitting with myself. I'm alone a lot. And like I said, I think a lot. So I have a lot of self-awareness. And with self-awareness comes understanding yourself, why you are the way you are. And when you're aware of something, that's when you can change it. You can't change what you're not aware of. So it just has kind of been this ongoing process of just overall self-exploration and self-discovery. So journaling has helped me. Meditation has allowed me to feel myself more and reading has been some some really big things for me I think people underestimate the power of spending time in solace but the thing with that is you have to still be doing the work like if you just sat alone you're not going to come out a healed individual but when you're alone and you have the intention to improve a lot of improvements can really be made what do you think the purpose of human existence is p.s love your content thank you so much I feel really strongly about this. I'm not going to say I know the answer of why, why, what the point is of life. But for me and my perception and my truth, my interpretation of life, I think the purpose of human existence is 100% to love and to grow and evolve like at its, at its core, like to love, to enjoy and to learn and evolve and overcome. Like I think we are truly here to experience life to learn lessons and evolve as a soul. Like I think the whole entire purpose, like honestly, I almost want to say the whole entire purpose is just growth and overcoming. And with that comes love, right? Acting from love, also acting from fear, enjoyment, not enjoying it, being scared, you know, laughter, sadness, crying. Like I think at the end of the day, we are here to simply evolve and to overcome. We're constantly learning lessons. We're constantly going through experiences all to help us grow and adapt as, as individuals, as souls. So that's what I personally think the biggest reason why we're here is to just to truly learn lessons. And I think me truly realizing that, like truly, truly realizing that to my core, because I truly think there's a difference between saying, oh yeah, I get it. And like, oh, I get it. Like there's a difference between understanding it in your 3D egoic mind and almost a difference between like feeling it on the soul level, like, oh, I understand it in my bones. Like there's a very big difference. So once I've understood that in my bones and felt that, it has allowed me to see every hardship, just everything in life, almost through a lighter, more lighthearted lens because I'm like, oh, I know this sucks. I know this is hard, but it's just another way for me to grow. Like that's really it at the end of the day. And that that's like the point of it all to me. How do you heal from toxic parenting if you are still living with your parents? P.S. Love you. Thank you, Carly. Love you too. I love this question. And again, look, thinking back to like when I was older or when I was younger, but older in the sense of like I was in high school um, and I was having that awareness, like I was saying of like seeing toxic things my parents did and in my intuition, I was like, that's not correct. The biggest thing that I did because I, there's a few, okay, I have two different ways that you could go about this depending on the type of person you are. For example, my oldest sister, Natalie, if you, you know, listen to the podcast with my mom, you know that she is very confrontational. She's going to speak her mind. She's going to tell you that this is wrong and she's going to speak to you about it. So if that is more so you open up to your parents and say, Hey, this made me feel this way. This is toxic behavior because of this. I don't think this is healthy or this doesn't create a healthy environment for me. You can just go out if you want to freaking go for it and talk to your parents about it. All the power to you. I think that is the best option. But if you're someone who's like me, I'm not confrontational. I think it also is due to my childhood trauma. I There was so much arguing in my house growing up, constantly yelling and screaming that I it, it's made me really... Uh, it just really triggers me when there's like yelling and conflict. I, I get super uncomfortable and I just want to go to a quiet space. Um, and I feel like that was kind of overdramatic, but it, it really is true to my core. Like I just when there's a conflict in my family now, like I just will want I won't speak and I like want to go into my room. So what I did since I didn't want to confront my parents, I would just kind of I know it's shitty it's hard but I would truly just bite my tongue and I would be responsible for having my own awareness and changing the narrative so if they did something to me or said something to me that was really toxic that I didn't agree with or I witnessed something I didn't agree with I would consciously in my mind tell myself have the awareness and say that wasn't really good like I didn't like that I'm going to handle this this way in the future or this means this like I would kind of talk myself down or like if they did something toxic that I know was coming from a lower like I guess I didn't really know that in the moment but 
now looking back, if I were to tell myself, like if they did something that was acting from a place of lower vibrational frequency or something that is reflecting their own traumas, I would tell myself, like, I don't need to take this to heart. I don't need to take this personally. Like this has nothing to do with me. And I essentially just in my mind, I remember a lot in high school, I would kind of create my own space between what I saw, what they would say to me and how I would act differently and just kind of calm myself down and say, this has nothing to do with me. This is their own issues that they're dealing with, that they're projecting onto me and kind of being my own therapist and my own friend in my mind. How to break overeating cycles and stop food addiction. Okay. I always want to do a disclaimer when I answer these questions because I've never been diagnosed with binge eating. I've never had a full experience with this. I've never truly suffered from it. So take my advice with a grain of salt. I don't want to be insensitive. I don't want to speak in areas that I'm not qualified in or I don't have experience with, but this is just my outside perspective of what I would say. And this is my answer in terms of honestly, any sort of addiction. I think with addiction, you know, you at the end of the day, you're giving your power over to this addiction. You're giving food the power over you. You're giving nicotine the power over you. Whatever the case may be, you're giving alcohol the power over you. You are giving your power away to this inanimate object and to this addiction. You're handing your power over to it. And I think that so much of addiction is played up in your mind, especially when it comes to food. You're like, I can't stop. I just can't stop. Like, I just want it. I can't stop thinking about it. And you let those you let that thought process spiral and then you adopt it as a truth. And I'm just here to tell you it's not the truth. Like every sol- every single solitary thing is a mindset shift away. I'm not saying it's easy because our thoughts are our habits. So it's, you know, breaking any habit can be difficult, but it can be done with consistent effort and constant reframing of your thoughts. So when you catch yourself saying like, oh my gosh, I just, can't, I have to go eat more ice cream. Like I can't just not do it you, you can like at the end of the day, you are the one who's giving up that mental power and submitting to it. And I don't want to turn this into a willpower thing. Cause I do think there's more to it. So I'm not going to just sit here and be like, Oh, you're weak mentally. I'm really not trying to have that be my point. I'm just trying to have the point of saying like, there's also the saying like you either can do it or you can't do it. You can either, you either say that you can do it or you say that you can't do it, but either way you're correct. And it's so true. And that's the thing here. It's like, okay, you can say that you can't stop eating, And you're going to be correct because you said that, but you could also say you have the power to stop eating and you will also be correct based on what you decide mentally. So I just think so much of it is in your mind of when you tell yourself it's hard and that you can't do it and that you, you have to, you know, you just have to cave, then you're going to cave. But if you tell yourself that you're, that you can do it, that it's possible to get over and that you don't need it and that it's all in your mind, like it's going to be a lot easier to not cave into it, you know? Cause I just find myself doing that with certain things now where I feel like I'm like, Oh, I, but I just can't, like I need it. And then I'm like, don't get in that habit. Like, no, you don't need it. Like that's just your mind telling you that, but you need whatever you say that you need. So if you tell yourself you don't need it, then you don't, then you won't need it, you know? Um, and I think another thing just with food specifically is, understand like take away the the I always say don't categorize foods don't think that there's that you can't ever have a food again like something that helped me so much with my relationship with food and not ever feeling like oh I have to eat all this junk food all at once is reminding myself that if I truly want something again if I'm truly craving it I can go to the store and get something unhealthy there's unhealthier food or sweets and treats everywhere like there there's no shortage I can tell you that so there's no need to feel like you can't ever stop eating or that you need to eat everything all right now because I promise you if you want it in the future you can always go get it and for me that kind of took away the factor of like oh this is fleeting so you need to eat it all now and it allowed me just to be way more balanced around food and in terms of how to break overeating cycles I would make sure that you are eating enough food throughout the day and eating consistent meals throughout the day like if you're going if you're you know overeating a ton at night so then the next day you're like okay I'm just not going to eat then and make up for it and then it's just going to continue that cycle because then you're going to be really hungry when the clock strikes strikes four o'clock and then it's just all going to happen again so eat consistently throughout the day I like to eat every two to four hours very nourishing whole food meals um, and then where I feel satiated I feel satisfied um, and I don't ever get this bouts of like really extreme hunger where I lose control and it allows me to have way more calmer and focused decision-making skills when it comes to food. How are you knowledgeable about so many different subjects? Impressive. Thank you so much. The biggest thing is just reading and honestly, social media. Like I follow people 
in, in podcasts. Like I just listen to people who are like, I listen to a lot of podcasts about people who are professionals in the fitness space or in the medical space. So that's how I know a lot about nutrition and how the metabolism works and hormones and things like that. I read a lot about emotional intelligence and awareness and consciousness and spirituality. I just, I'm, I, I don't use, I use the tools that we have access to, to learn and to grow and to evolve. I don't use it to be, to go, to have a distraction and to go brain dead. And I don't mean that like, oh, I'm better than everyone else. I just, it's just genuinely what I do just genuinely because I have an interest in it. And it has allowed me to learn honestly quite a bit over the years. Um, what editing app do I use? I get asked this question a lot. I use Premiere Pro for everything. It's on my computer. It's in the Adobe suites. Um, I have to pay for it, but I, I use it to edit everything. Someone asked, have you ever struggled with a fear of intimacy? Um, and I'm assuming you mean physical in- intimacy. Honestly, no, but I just have always been very affectionate. Physical touch is my per- is my um, love language. So yeah, and I, I guess my advice would be if you do have a fear of intimacy, Actually, I'm going to take this in an interesting turn because it's just coming to my mind, but I feel like it's really valid. If you have a fear of intimacy with other people, I challenge you just to reflect. I'm not trying to diagnose because I really don't know. This is just a thought. It's coming to my mind, but I would urge you and call you to reflect on the relationship of intimacy that you have with yourself. Are you comfortable looking at yourself in the mirror? Are you comfortable being naked in your body? Are you comfortable with giving yourself a sense of affection, whether that's like giving your touching yourself, not necessarily sexually, but just just own personal touch with yourself? Like I feel like something that helps me so much be confident and comfortable with intimacy, whether that's with a partner or whatever the case may be, is because I spend a good amount of time being intimate with myself, meaning I usually don't sleep with clothes on. I will dance in the mirror naked. I will, I don't know. I just feel like I spend a lot of time with myself at my bare, just in my bare naked form, literally. And I feel like it helps me just be more comfortable of seeing myself intimately, which allows me to feel comfortable being intimate with other people. How to deal with going backwards in your healing journey. Like I've made so much progress, but sometimes it doesn't feel like that. Dude, I feel this so hard. I resonate with this as well. I think the biggest thing, like there is no such thing as going, I think we have a misconception of like backwards. Like we think that that means like literally hitting reverse, coming out the same way you came in and just erasing everything that you've gone through up until this point to heal, which is not true. Like the healing journey is not, wait, this is a good visual. The healing journey is not, well, just hit the mic. The healing journey is not like forwards and backwards, like where it's like in a, you know, a very constant plane. The healing journey is always moving forward, like with time, but in the sense of what we deem as going backwards, which we visualize ourselves as like going backwards, like in reverse, like I said, when really that quote unquote backwards is really just a lull in the wave. So if you're seeing me on YouTube, like I could either draw a straight line or I'm drawing waves up and down. And that's what the healing journey truly is, is waves up and down where the pen is still moving forward right with time you can never truly go backwards or undo any healing work that you did it's not like it's ever for nothing or it's not ever null and void it's not ever erased you're just going through a lull in the wave where it feels that way it feels like you're still low it feels like you haven't made much progress when in reality all that is is just you going through more deeper healing of of the shadows of the hard stuff and I think we think and I, I can I like I was the same way I felt like when I was sad or angry or I needed to cry that it was like a bad sign like oh shit I'm going backwards like I should be over this I can promise the most healed individual on the planet still experiences you know sadness um anger sometimes and heavy emotions like they're not ever supposed to go away they're part of the human experience like they are simply tools to help us heal and to allow past situations um people events to pass through us. So I totally understand because just just two weekends ago, I was really, really low and I was crying and crying and crying. And I was like, wow, I thought I've done so much work to heal from what's been making me upset. And here I am still crying over it again. And it's super easy to feel like shit. I just went backwards. Like I'm just not making any progress. Like I thought it was over this, but it's, you're not ever going backwards. You're just in the lull of another wave where you're just in a deeper healing portion where you're cleansing, you're clearing out these emotions. And all of that is to help you close out these past cycles that you were trying to move forward from and heal from and learn lessons from. So 
it's not necessarily ever going backwards. You're just in a deeper moment of, you know, of doing shadow work to heal. It's like kind of the less glamorous portion of the healing journey. Like you can never truly go backwards. We're always on this healing journey. It's always ever forward, ever moving, but there's, you know, darker times in the, in the healing journey that feels like you're going backwards, but you're really just in the low of the wave. And sometimes there's easier portions of the healing journey when you're at the peak of that wave where you're feeling good, you're feeling aligned, you're almost putting into practice what you've learned. You're living out the lessons that you learned with the newfound knowledge and wisdom. I feel like that's kind of where the difference is. Interesting question. Erin always asks the best questions. She said, do you believe that everything we experience externally is a reflection slash manifestation of our inner workings? If so, where do you find the most empowerment in this perspective? Absolutely. I think everything is a mirror. And I think that's true. Just even what I said about intimacy, like I feel like more people than you would think would realize, oh, wow, I do. I am afraid to be intimate with other people, but I also have no relationship of intimacy with myself. And that's the exact same thing. Or like if someone's constantly craving external validation or they're constantly feeling like they've their parents aren't proud of them or, or anything like that, it's usually because they don't feel proud of themselves. Like they don't ever feel like they've done enough. So I 100% think that everything we experience is a reflection of our inner workings because I think our the external reality is simply just what we are perceiving. So through our thoughts and through our beliefs. So I think that, you know, what we believe in our minds is which comes from, you know, inner relationships with ourselves and, you know, our thought patterns and everything. So that is what's going to dictate what we are experiencing, um, whether literally or through the lens of our perceptions in our 3D reality. And I find the most empowerment in this perspective from simply the fact like I am control. I am in control. Like I can change things, whatever I want to experience. I can tap inward to feel a certain emotion, to heal a certain thing, to then be able to experience what I would like to on the external plane. Like it just is super empowering in the sense that I feel like I, I just am I just am in control. Like I'm writing my own story. I'm writing my own narrative. I'm, I'm creating my own reality. All right, you guys. So I'm going to call the podcast here. It's 322, exactly an hour. Um, and I need to take these contacts out, bro. My eyes are hurting me. But um, for the affirmation for today, I have one that has been coming through in meditation. Um, and it is, I am a beacon of love, light, and gratitude. I am a beacon of love, light and gratitude how just warm that just makes me feel like a warm hug but that was the vibe the wavelength i was on this morning for show so i really hope you guys enjoyed this episode stay tuned for next epi because it's just going to be one year of weekly episodes which actually i got the notification that it was a exactly a year ago that i posted my first lift it listens episode november 8th i believe which is nuts wild so Woohoo. Crazy that it's we're having a little anniversary. OMG. But anyways, that's it. Thank you so, so much to everyone who sent in questions. I really appreciate you guys participating in the q and I always love answering your guys' questions. So I'm sending you so much freaking love and hopefully I'll see you in the next one. Peace out.